Welcome to the DMSG Healthcare Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Hadley, founder and CEO of the Denver Medical Study Group. Based in Colorado, we're going into our 16th year with over 1,350 members in 29 states. Our educational programs include the Denver Medical Study Group webinars, podcasts, and in-person events. I'm excited today to visit with Diane Primavera, the Lieutenant Governor of Colorado, and Kristen Paulson, the CEO of Center for Improving Value in Healthcare, commonly referred to as CIVIC. There are other staff members from the Colorado Office of eHealth Innovation who may join in the conversation as need be and will introduce themselves in their titles at that time. Lieutenant Governor Primavera, most of our listeners know who you are, but is there anything you'd like to share about yourself and your background? Well, first of all, Chris, thanks uh, for having me. Uh, quickly, I'm a Colorado native. Uh, I'm a mom and a grandma of four beautiful little grandkids. Um, I've actually been diagnosed with cancer four times. And uh, prior to becoming Lieutenant Governor, I served in a variety of roles. Most recently, Susan G. Coleman, Colorado CEO. Most of my professional career was in vocational rehabilitation. I was a counselor and helped people uh, with disabilities become employed. I was a state representative in the state house uh, for eight years. And during that time, I chaired the House Public Health and Environment Committee. Um, I'm really passionate about expanding access to health care and improving health care outcomes in Colorado because I've been a patient and um, been an advocate. And so I know that our health is foundational to everything we do if you have your health you have everything. And then in my spare time, I love to dance. So you, you can always find me on a ballroom dance floor. Well, that's good to know. I'll, I'll remember that. <laughs> also, Kristen, as CEO of Civic, would you tell our listeners a little about yourself and your background? Sure. Thank you, Chris. I've been in uh, the intersection of data and policy in the healthcare space for over 15 years now. So I've been at Civic for just shy of 11 years, most recently as the CEO, but also in a variety of different positions, overseeing the work that we do with the Colorado All-Player Claims Database. So Civic is the designated administrator of Colorado's uh, healthcare resource, the All-Player Claims Database. Uh, we've had that designation for over 10 years and work closely with the state. Um, so really this is my passion area. I deeply believe in in using data like this to inform policy and make sure that the decisions that the state is making, the decisions that providers are making and consumers are making are based in evidence so that they can be making the best decisions for themselves and for others. And we can really uh, make sure that we're shaping our health policy in the state to create the healthiest Coloradans. Um, so that's that's my background. I've been in uh, Denver for most of 25 years, um, not quite a native, uh, like the lieutenant governor, but um, happy to be able to call Colorado my home. Well, that's wonderful. We're glad to have you on the podcast with the lieutenant governor. Uh, today, I think what we want to talk about is telehealth. And lieutenant governor, my first question will be for you. Uh, why is telehealth an important health care delivery mechanism? Well, interesting that you asked me that this week, because coincidentally, um, I'd like to start out by saying that I recently had my first telehealth appointment uh, this week uh, for a really horrendous sore throat that I had. Um, it was fast, uh, it was easy, and it allowed me to continue resting at home when I wasn't feeling my best. So it was a new experience for me, and uh, we know that more and more people 
uh, are using telehealth to access the care that they need. In addition to what I already said, as Lieutenant Governor, I have several programs that are housed within my office, including the Office of eHealth Innovation, and we call that group OHI, and they help lead our administration's efforts around health IT. Uh, telehealth has increased the accessibility to health services, particularly behavioral health, and addresses barriers that existed long before the pandemic. And from what we've heard, patients report that they can make appointments with their providers more quickly, which was my experience uh, than before the pandemic, and with more options for appointments later in the day, which was also my experience. Uh, many Coloradans have, have, have been limited by the time that they need to take off work. Some people don't get sick leave. Uh, traveling to an in-person appointment is takes time. Finding childcare also takes time. And the lack of availability of in-person behavioral health appointments has been a problem. So um, these barriers oftentimes may have resulted in not only foregoing care, but um, making your care worse. So uh, telehealth also had the potential to avoid costly emergency department visits. Um, it helps patients maintain their recommended care plans and address health concerns. Uh, before they do escalate to the emergency room. And for those patients who are hospitalized, uh, the option for a telehealth follow-up uh, might reduce the amount of time they have to stay in the hospital and make it easier for them to get follow-up because, you know, having been in the hospital, they don't feel well anyway. Um, telehealth may also reduce no-show rates, which has been a, a problem I know with um, Medicaid um, people. And potentially uh, it can streamline the use of costly and often overused services such as imaging. Um, it's also important to note that telehealth isn't a replacement uh, for in-person healthcare, but it rather supplements some in-person visits and complements a patient's care plan. So it's, it's really another option for accessing care and can be especially meaningful for particular visit types and diagnoses. For example, as a cancer survivor myself, I know that uh, cancer survivors typically need to follow a schedule of MRIs and CAT scans to ensure that um, their cancer hasn't returned, sometimes as often as, you know, every three months. So it can be near impossible to schedule both the scans and the appointment with the oncologist to interpret the results on the same day. So the ability to have a telehealth visit with the oncologist allows a patient living in a rural area, especially of our state, uh, to return home to their loved ones sooner while still maintaining their schedule of can cancer screenings and getting the information that they need. And regardless of where a patient lives, uh, being able to avoid additional travel and waiting rooms for interpretation of test results means less time that they have to take away from their work and their families, as I've said before. So technology um, allows, us a, allows a provider much more insight into a patient's condition or recovery than previously possible also. So remote patient monitoring, um, a healthcare team can look at a patient's vital signs and intervene much sooner uh, if that data indicates that there's a problem. So this can really be life-saving. And studies have actually shown that the use of remote patient monitoring for patients with congestive heart failure, for example, is associated with a significantly better survival rate for those patients. So the pandemic, the silver lining to that was that it catapulted the use of telehealth both locally and nationally and showcased the opportunity uh, that we have to increase access to quality health care in communities across our state. So now we're focusing on making sure that telehealth access is equitable across different communities from rural Coloradoans to older adults who may not have the skills to, to use their equipment um, to communities who experience the most barriers or to, to in-person service. So we're working to ensure that everyone is able to take advantage and, and benefit from telehealth.
You know, Lieutenant Governor, I think uh, telehealth policies changed as a result of the uh, uh, COVID pandemic. How, how did they change? Well, you know, that was the upside to the pandemic. And, you know, we're always looking for ways to be grateful. Um, it was likely the way that it, um, it, it helped us better implement telehealth and, and find ways to overcome some of the previous barriers that I mentioned that got in the way of effective implementation. So in response to the pandemic, um, Governor Polis signed an executive order in April of 2020, and that expanded the scope of services that could be provided uh, via telehealth during the public health emergency. And that included the addition of voice-only communication, text messaging, uh, and expansion of out-of-state telehealth provider licensure except exceptions. And then in July, so several months later of that same year, uh, Governor Polis signed the Reimbursement for Telehealth Services Bill. So if people want to look at that, that was Senate Bill 20-212. And that made the changes from the executive order permanent. And it also went a step further to remove barriers to telehealth services for patients and providers. So it had a few notable aspects that I can highlight. First of all, patients no longer need to have a previously established relationship with a provider uh, to receive telehealth services, and that was a significant barrier to care. Specific to Colorado Medicaid, uh, the bill mandated that the State Department reimburse rural health clinics, federal Indian health services, federally qualified health centers for telemedicine services provided to Medicaid recipients at the same rate as the delivery of in-person service. So this was critical to ensure that the most vulnerable Coloradans were able to benefit from telehealth services. And last but not least, the bill specified that speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, hospice care, and pediatric behavioral health are all considered health care, and therefore they're eligible to be reimbursed by Health First Colorado, which is Medicaid, uh, when delivered via telehealth. Fantastic. Well, it's been exciting uh, from that point of view. As you said, the upside has really been phenomenal as far as telehealth is concerned. Kristen, from a civic perspective, what trends did we see in the utilization of telehealth services with the onset of COVID-19? And how have those trends changed since March of 2020? Towards the end of 2020, we worked with uh, our friends and partners over at Ojai to talk through what kind of things we needed to be tracking over the course of the pandemic. We started looking at telehealth claims and who was using uh, telehealth for what services. In starting in April of 2020, when the emergency was declared in Colorado, we saw an almost immediate more than 2000% increase in the utilization of telehealth over 2019. So an enormous spike in the utilization of, of that service. After 2020, going into 2021, we did see a bit of a decrease. Uh, we're looking at about 11% decrease um, to date, but certainly not returning to anything close to 2019 levels. And it's interesting too that that 11% decrease is almost exclusively driven by medical care, switching back into in-person. We have not seen any decrease at all in behavioral health and mental health services provided over uh, telehealth. Uh, mechanisms. I think, you know, the Lieutenant Governor just mentioned the the workforce issues that we have. We had a, a lack of uh, mental health services or mental health providers available. And the telehealth mechanism really allowed folks to use those out-of-state providers um, to get more ready access to uh, care that they might not have been able to get in person 
maybe because they were in a rural part of the county or, or of the state rather, um, but also maybe because they just didn't have the providers available to, to give them those services. So especially for people who have commercial insurance, um, we've really seen uh, an extraordinary resilience of the telehealth utilization for mental health and behavioral health services. I'm sure that's right. You know, it's it's interesting, just a, a side note for you, Kristen, and I'm sure you have statistics on this. When the pandemic hit and providers began to be paid for telehealth visits, then they were more willing to do them as well. Is that what your experience has shown? To a certain extent. And I think this is also reflected in that 11% decrease that's that's really being driven by medical care. We did have a workforce issue. We still do have a workforce issue. We we have a need for additional behavioral health providers. So we did see some of that transition, but for the most part, those behavioral health services are really taking advantage of the workforce that is over state lines, that is in other locations, and has really allowed us to expand access uh, to those kinds of services for all Coloradans. Well, that's great. Well, Lieutenant Governor, what are some of the barriers, including limitations, that patients and providers still face related to telehealth? Thanks for that question. Um, the Office of eHealth Innovation, which I mentioned is located in my office that we call OHI, uh, partnered with several organizations to better understand what barriers related to telehealth uh, patients and providers were facing. So from a patient perspective, we found that the biggest barriers to accessing telehealth services were lack of reliable, affordable internet, uh, access to technology, and the digital skills necessary to make it all work. So OHI sponsored questions on the 2023 uh, Colorado Health Access Survey to further understand the patient barriers to telehealth use. And the results of that survey aren't available yet, but should be available um, early next year. Uh, the state also just wrapped up a public survey on digital access barriers to inform the Colorado Digital Access Plan. And with that data, we'll be able to see if there have been dramatic changes in barriers to digital access for Coloradoans. Um, OHI heard from providers that many experienced complexities and challenges, claims denials for unclear reasons when attempting to bill for telehealth, and particularly confusion when it came to contracts with commercial payers. Safety net providers often rely on reimbursement from commercial payers to sustain their practices. So complex billing practices that are costly and time consuming uh, can lead to adoption and sustainability issues for these practices particularly. And finally, we also know that in addition to technology skills, internet and a digital device, access to a private quiet place to take appointments, especially um, behavioral health appointments, uh, continues to be important for patient privacy and safety and, and HIPAA. So um, those are the things that we um, we know so far. You know, uh, Kristen, as a follow-up to some of the anecdotal uh, provider data, what are the claims telling us in terms of denied claims and payment parity? Yeah, we recently looked into this again with our, our partners at OHI um, to really understand what was going on uh, between telehealth and in-person services and the denied claims, you know, parity. We definitely saw the impact of um, that, that payment parity law that went through. Um, we are still seeing some significant imbalanced payments, though, 
between telehealth and in-person services. Many services are still being reimbursed more for in-person. There are a few exceptions, psychiatric services and procedures, health and behavior assessment and intervention services, and primary care are all being reimbursed at higher rates than in-person. Um, and we think that that's really part of what's also driving the sustained high levels of utilization of telehealth for uh, mental and behavioral health, as well as some of that, the plateauing of the medical services, because providers are re being reimbursed adequately to be providing those services over telehealth. In terms of denied care uh, or denied claims, we are seeing um, slight increases across the board in claims denials for telehealth. Some of this can be attributed to just getting used to billing for telehealth because it didn't used to carry the weight that it does right now. Um, and so some of that may be just due to getting used to a new mechanism, uh, but we are seeing across the board uh, increased denials of telehealth services. Um, I will say that the vast majority of denied claims though ultimately are resolved um, and don't end up being a permanently denied service. You know, Lieutenant Governor, what is the state doing to overcome some of these barriers that Kristen's talking about? Actually, we've been doing quite a bit um, to ensure that Coloradoans have access to high-speed, reliable internet to access telehealth services. Um, the Colorado Broadband Office is pre preparing to deploy millions of federal broadband funds over the next five years. Um, our administration is committed to bringing high-speed, reliable internet to 99% of Colorado households by 2027. Uh, the state will fund broadband projects that address all three barriers to the internet, um, access, affordability, and the use. The majority of Colorado households in need of broadband access or help with affordability and adoption are in rural parts of the state. So projects that help close the state's digital divide will be a high priority. So to address digital access barriers beyond the broadband infrastructure, OHI and the Office of the Future of Work, which is located in the Colorado Department of Labor and Employment, uh, are working together to develop the first ever Colorado Digital Access Plan in coordination with the Colorado Broadband Office. Uh, this plan will outline a framework that strives for ensuring all Coloradoans have the skills, technology, and capacity needed to reap the full benefits of our digital economy and our society. So we expect a finalized plan next spring and to begin implementing the plan with federal financial support by fall of 2024. So stay tuned on that one. Um, OHI is well known for not only their brilliance, but their enthusiasm uh, for partnership to address issues holistically and with the right partners. OHI partnered with the Colorado Broadband Office to grant over $6 million to support broadband network infrastructure providers uh, in expanding the types of services they offer, such as remote patient monitoring, the patient access to telehealth through device lending. Uh, the awardees serve 36 of Colorado's counties and include a variety of organi organization types and populations served, such as low-income children and their families, correctional institutions, uh, critical access hospitals, and emergency services. OHI also partnered with the Colorado Broadband Office to provide $20 million in total, $10 million to the Southern Ute Indian Tribe, and $10 million to the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe to assist in their broadband infrastructure. And the Colorado Commission of Indian Affairs team facilitated a state tribal consultation in August to focus on broadband with each of the tribes. And I'm especially proud of this work because I chair the Colorado Commission of Indian Affairs. And finally, 
Ojai is working with the Colorado State Library to fund more than 23 rural libraries to support more access to virtual services. Libraries in this pilot can use the funding to implement private spaces within their building that patrons can use to have a telehealth or other virtual service appointment so that patients have the connectivity, the equipment, and the support that they might need to have a successful telehealth visit. So if a patron has the connectivity at home but lacks the equipment needed for a telehealth appointment, libraries can use these funds for telehealth kits, which will include a laptop, camera, and other equipment that patrons can check out uh, to use at home. So if you wanted more information on this, it's at telehealth.clsites.org. Okay. Well, that's great to hear that the state is doing all this. I look forward to hearing more about that going forward. Um, what's next in terms of tracking and monitoring telehealth use in the state? And before I answer that, I just want to offer a congratulations and kudos to the Lieutenant Governor uh, for the work they're doing in the broadband space. It's critical for individuals, especially in our rural communities, um, in order to be able to benefit from increased access to care through telehealth, they do have to have that broadband piece. And so we are seeing the impacts of that investment and appreciate the effort that the state is making to broaden access to all of these uh, services. So um, also in 2020, um, Civic made the decision to geocode the Colorado All-Peer Claims Database. Um, that meant that we were able to access data from the U.S. Census uh, at the census block and census tract level through the American Community Surveys and actually connected to the data that we have on Coloradans. And so in partnership with OEHI and in anticipation of doing ongoing tracking of the impacts of broadband expansion and telehealth parity, um, we're actually putting together the telehealth equity analysis that will be looking at how effective these policies are at getting access to these services to those who may be in underserved or uh, more rural or remote areas. So we will be looking at um, intersections with race, language, um, education, employment, disability status, availability of transportation, um, veteran status, access to broadband is one of those key areas that we're gonna be looking at, um, access to a computer, access to a smartphone, and then additional statistics around just sort of the the summary um, socioeconomic status of a, a given neighborhood. Um, so this report is gonna help us identify where those intersections are and, and how effective we are at reaching those. Um, and really the ultimate goal here is to help reduce disparities in accessing healthcare, specifically reducing health inequities for those marginalized or more remote populations and ensuring that all Coloradans have a chance to achieve health. That's fantastic. Well. I have one more question for the two of you. First of all, you've both done a wonderful job today. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. Uh, and I'll start off here with my closing question for Lieutenant Governor. Is there anything else that you would like to share uh, with our listeners in, from today's discussion? Well, you know, I think uh, listeners need to understand that uh, health care, access to quality health care has been a priority of our administration since uh, day one. And so I think the governor deserves a lot of credit uh, for that as well. Um, I'm excited to see what the future of telehealth holds because I think we've just uh, reached the tip of the iceberg right now on uh, all the possibilities. So stay tuned and um, I think we have a lot more to come. Oh, well, that's wonderful. 
Kristen, uh, is there anything that you would like to add to today's discussion? I think, uh, first of all, we, we deeply appreciate the partnership that we've had with OEHI over the last several years um, to be able to really dive into um, what telehealth versus in-person utilization looks like, what that means for our, our state overall and the health of, of folks across the state of Colorado. Um, and we're very privileged to be the administrator of the Colorado All-Payer Claims Database and to be able to really partner to continue moving this forward. Uh, we are an independent nonprofit, and our mission is really to do what we can to equip our partners and communities across Colorado with the information and resources they need to achieve health and health care. And I think this focus on equity and on making sure that we're looking at the demographic uh, connections between health um, and some other uh, aspects of communities allows us to be a partner and really move things forward in the right direction. Um, so we are very privileged to be able to continue providing that information and look forward to a long partnership um, with Ojai. Well, thank you both very much for uh, your time today uh, and the education that you've given us. We'll look forward to sharing that with our Denver Medical Study Group community very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.